This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my continuously integrated, continuously deployed co-host, Jon. Hello, Jon. Hello, Dave. I seem to notice you suspiciously left out continuously developed. Which well, means I'm perfect already. That's also a good thing. Uh, sure, let's go with that. <laughs> hey, a person makes his own happiness. That's that's how it works. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm glad that you're happy. And uh, we are indeed, as you may have uh, gathered from the oh-so-subtle hint, uh, we're talking about continuous integration and continuous deployment uh, this episode. Uh, we've got a, a guest speaker here to keep us uh, honest and on track. And uh, we have uh, Marco from Semaphore to talk to us a little bit about the CICD world, um, how it's changed, how it's evolved, and uh, give us a, a bit of his uh, knowledge and background of this, this wonderful world. Let's get to it. Let's do it. So today we're joined by Marco Anastasov, uh, co-founder of Semaphore. Uh, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Roaring Elephant podcast, Marco. Hello, um, happy to be here, and thanks for having me. Hey, Marco. No problem at all. Uh, so maybe uh, first place would be to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and. Uh, you know, what brought you to the uh, the position and the, the role that you're in today? Sure. Um, so uh, to um, to those who don't know, Semaphore is a CI/CD product. Um, we've been on the on the kind of scene for a while now, um, actually 10 years. Um, and uh, it's been it's been really quite a journey. I guess we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit over the throughout the podcast, um, what kind of personally got me into it. Like I'm a developer by trade, um, mm -hmm. been doing, um, before starting Semaphore, um, we've been doing in our company, uh, render text, uh, you know, uh, web development for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, just through, I guess, uh, you know, our, our journey in as, as a you know small band of you know developers um you know trying to trying to perfect our craft we uh, you know we discovered um first desert in development and then that which led to you know kind of the practice of continuous integration and uh, which led us to realizing there's nothing really um, that um, felt right to use to facilitate mm -hmm. continuous integration at that time, and uh, since um, since we've been um, kind of looking for, you know, uh, to build a product to to become like a product company, um, kind of that's where we saw the opportunity and uh, you know build Semaphore and. Pretty quickly after launching, you know, got got first customers, and uh, you know, just continued from there. Cool, good stuff. So, for those that are maybe not as familiar with with CI/CD, let's kind of level set, and uh, you know, how would you describe or explain um, CI/CD continuous integration, continuous deployments? Yeah. Yeah, so um, 
Oh yeah, there's kind of multiple ways. Like I think um, one way, um, uh, one way to um, kind of what what could be like a litmus test. Like if if your team is doing uh, CI/CD, is like if any developer on your team can kind of stop what they're doing right now and ship the current development version of the code to production in like maybe 20 minutes or less mm -hmm. without stress, like what could possibly happen or go wrong. Um, if that's the case, then congrats, like you're doing CACD somehow. <laughs> um, and if it's actually not the case, um, uh, that probably means there's like some stuff that's maybe not too, not fully automated. Maybe you don't, Maybe you're not so sure, like maybe you need to do some manual kind of testing or checking if everything's okay mm -hmm. before deploying the code to production. Maybe deploying to production is actually a pretty stressful event. Uh, maybe you do it every once in a while and you have to follow a schedule. Like that's not um, CI CD. Um, so it's really about having a set of practices and, of course, tools to support it, but. Uh, mm -hmm. fundamentally practices that enable the team to iteratively develop software and just be able to ship it, you know, get feedback about uh, does it work or not, mm -hmm. um, any version of, of the code, and uh, just being able to ship it, you know, to, to production stress-free. Okay. So what you, you, you talked about a couple of things there around kind of automation, but also like how stressful or not stressful the experience of kind of deploying code is. So, you know, it it feels like uh, like the more automation you get in a in a in a software deployment uh, pipeline, uh, is sort of the the better in terms of the 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 less stress and the the more repeatable something is. But what? What problems is it that kind of CI/CD solve? Like, what what was the 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 bad old world uh, before CI/CD? Um, you know, what what challenges did that create, and what hopefully does uh, continuous integration and continuous deployment resolve there? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, maybe I would actually go back to um, kind of. L tell a little story kind of what made me personally mm. kind of realize oh that's the value of being test driven mm -hmm. yeah. um or or even not not even test driven but i would just say like actually practicing um even just test after like writing automated tests in the first place um that was like um at that time, like I was working on um, on a kind of a web app, which um, which was do which was dealing with um, some kind of a booking process. So it was essentially a multi-step, some kind of multi-step process, which can branch out in different in different ways. And uh, at that time, that application was mostly um, tested manually. Um, there were some unit tests, just like. Um, which is, I think, typical for like when you're on the 
um, lower end of the scale, uh, maturity scale, um, like for the important code, like maybe for some billing related code or, you know, uh, not, not much else. And so there was just a point where like, um, you know, we would implement like a, a change or, you know, uh, a small feature to, to the to the booking process. And the, the every time we would change anything, like we would break something else like uh, unexpectedly. And um, it was really, it took just hours to verify, um, you know, even the, the smallest, the smallest change in this, um, maybe you could also imagine as a wizard, like multi multiple steps. And uh, um, that time we were, um, you know, um, the, it was work for a client. So there were also like embarrassing moments where like you think you, you believe it, it's working and then the client kind of discovers an error. Um, which is also, which is affecting uh, real customers. And so uh, at that time I was like, um, you know, realized, okay, well, is, is there like a way that we don't have to do it by hand, like not repeat ourselves, but like automate, like, is there something that can, instead of us be clicking through this user interface? Um, and of course there was at that time, um, uh, open source library called Cucumber um which is still i think one of the the leading kind of um tools essentially to to facilitate uh, acceptance testing or or um, um yeah i would say acceptance testing um and yeah people also use it to drive behavior during development but yeah that's a maybe a slightly nuanced discussion um and you know, like once you, um, I realized like after you write just a couple of um, cucumber scenarios for like uh, web application, like your life as a developer becomes so much easier. Like 10x, you know, 10x easier. You you don't really stress like if if you, you know, uh, is there a, there's no uncertainty. Um, you just run run these tests and. Um, you get feedback within minutes. Um, back back then, these, these things were maybe slower than today. Um, browser tests, but um, still, you know, you get quick feedback about every change. <clears throat> and once that is in place, like you're, even if you're a solo developer, I think you're in a much better place than without such tests. Um, and once you're working in a team, like even if it's just like two people. Um, you you inevitably you know kind of run into you know communication challenges like um if you maybe start off again like what's the most primitive maybe way of doing it like we mutually agree that we will both before we push code like we will run all the tests on our machines mm -hmm. and uh you know <laughs> like naturally sometimes you forget or you know um or you realize because you... a test isn't written for a particular function or piece of code. Sure, yeah, and because you you're maybe still on that level where you think, oh, it's this is only for the important pieces of code, and then you discover like <laughs> actually there's more important things than you maybe imagined at first, um, and so you just like it kind of leads you to this kind of natural conclusion. Um, the more the better like there, there's a threshold for everything right like uh at some point more is not better but uh when you're starting out like 
that's generally the case, I would say. And uh, yeah, like you you want to you want to increase the number of tests because you just like maybe you get spoiled and you don't want to you know uh, you <laughs> don't want to do manual testing at all if possible. Um, maybe every time you um, work on another feature, you take the opportunity to to add one or two tests, you know, and that's how you kind of decide to um, grow the automated test suite. Uh, not uh, not not in a disruptive way for the project, but just kind of organically as you go. Um, and then as the um, you know, we have multiple couple of people working on it, um, and uh, you you also want to. I think it's it's very natural to eliminate the thinking, like everything that repeats very often. You want to automate it. Like I think that's a very um, natural kind of instinct to to mm. most, if not all, uh, developers, and that's how that's that's the idea behind continuous integration. Like, um, let's not think. Let's just run all the tests every time we change code. Right, and so the practice of you know um, building and testing source code like every time we change it, like that's that's essentially. Um, um, technically speaking, maybe you could call it that's a continuous building. Mm. Um, and integration is is when you actually merge that work. Yeah, you know? so it doesn't just like live in a branch forever and and so on. So you don't run into um, the, the the issues of like long living branches. But when you continuously like merge work uh, in the team uh, uh, and you have the practice of um, automatically testing everything and verifying and acting on a failed test to fix it. Like that's that's essentially continuous integration. And uh, I think uh, if you have the if you have the consensus in the team like that, this is a good thing. It's a pretty um, yeah. I think you know it's not a, it's really not a big deal to implement um, and. Uh, it's never it's never too late to start. I would say. Um, mm -hmm. So, is this is this something that like where do you think the inflection points are for someone maybe adopting this? Is it like the size of the team? Is it the the size of the size of the code base? Is it the complexity of of the the code base, or is it the um, is it all of these things, but some of them matter more than others, or or is there a, is there a different kind of forming function? Is it like the the speed of releases? Like what what do you think are the the most important things that should determine someone should start adopting kind of CI/CD practices as part of their part of their development lifecycle? Yeah. Um... I would say the truth is like maybe um, some some kind of moment that's closer to money. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, specifically, that would mean uh, maybe the stakeholders, whoever they are, they they kind of start noticing that you're not the team is just not shipping frequently enough. You know, mm -hmm. like they notice that it's a huge struggle to um, deploy a new version. 
um, that you know, or to maybe test it like before deploying it, um, or maybe um, you know, if 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 the if the force if, if it's coming more from the developer side, like maybe you're just like worried like about your job, like. <laughs> maybe you know you're like i, I don't want to seem incompetent like i want to kind of just you know i want to focus on on building and i, I you know i don't want to focus on chasing bugs in production or, or or shipping broken code right um which is um um in reality i think often like people maybe don't frame it this way and especially like after you uh, after you adopt it yourself, and you kind of just want to, you know, share this as a as something that you think other people would find it useful, and then you get into a conversation, and you might say, "Oh, but it's gonna, you know, um, it's gonna make you work more productively or something," which is yes, but you know, I think for for most changes, like there has to be a bit of some some har more harsh moment. Um, mm. for for teams um, um, I've also seen for example um, mainly um, you know after you you know I've been in our company like we've been practicing this for I don't know maybe 15 years so it's really like hard to go back to the you know just like foggy memory what was it like before um, <laughs> But uh, you know, through through encounters with uh, you know maybe people who are interested in in, in sound for our product or you know trying to adopt it, you you know you kind of see that um, sometimes it, you know a lot of times I would say it's it's people who have maybe built some kind of a MVP, mm -hmm. and uh, they were like you know they they thought it's. Um, you know, no need to really write automated tests. Maybe this whole thing won't even work out. Like, let's just build like some kind of a prototype. And then like, there's a moment where this prototype is actually useful and they wanna, um, you know, invest more, uh, more of their future in, into it. But, you know, it's already, because there's some complexity in that software built in and, um, there is there is a there's just an amount of code which is naturally just statistically it's it's impossible to not you know have bugs come out uh, without any automated tests and it's it's just uh, kind of hard to um, debug everything and release so they decide okay we want to um, first step actually maybe automate the process like um, with a pipeline. And uh, then over time, we're going to be adding tests, you know, and kind of getting that practice um, ramped up in the company, which which is a pretty big uh, kind of cultural change, I would say, for, for most people. Like if they've been working in an environment where writing tests is not part of the workflow, um, that's, mm. that's, I think, one of the... <clears throat> Mo like one of the bigger changes like one 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 goes through as a as a developer is that like do you still see that a lot i i i don't know i i tend to live in a bit of an ivory tower when it comes to some of these things where i assume that like everyone's writing tests for everything but like do you still see a lot of organizations that come to you and they're like yeah we've got you know i don't know 
less than 5% test coverage. Um, yeah, I mean, the world is, uh, you know, there's all kinds of people. I think it's, you know, if there's a, if there's a, um, some kind of a software product with some track, you know, with some traction and time in the market, um, 99% like they they have they write tests right so they just mm -hmm. wouldn't survive I would say at this point uh, without being at least to some extent um, you know agile agile enough uh, through mm -hmm. through having uh, automated uh, pipelines to to a large extent and and some test automation um, Companies where maybe software is not like not software first companies, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at such companies like that's, um, you know, maybe there's like a f large financial, in, you know, um, some kind of a financial institution type of uh, uh, company. So software is not like the primary source of revenue, at least at the moment, at such at such places. Writing test is still not really uh, the reality, and uh, um, they they kind of tend to solve things more through bureaucracy and just more steps and approvals rather than, you know, <clears throat> optimizing for kind of team autonomy and and uh, agility. Um, and um, also, from what I heard, like uh, writing test is still kind of not not super spread in the mobile development space like mm -hmm. um a lot of times like you know sometimes i would talk to a team and they would say like yeah for the cloud stuff you know we, we do tests for mobile no <laughs> uh, we just test everything manually <laughs> you think there's a reason for that is because mobile is too complicated so, i mean it's used a lot it's not like it's the the it's not a niche use case anymore because people do more than mobiles on their laptops these days it sounds strange to, to me. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I've never. I don't really have much. Uh, basically, I have no ex kind of hands-on experience developing for mobile. I just think there's uh, the complexity of having of being so much UI-driven and kind of device-bound. Mm -hmm. um, it's maybe yeah to some extent like. Is your blockchain app, you know, fully end-to-end -end tested? Like, well, I don't know, not, you know, it's blockchain-based, so it's kind of hard. Um, he said the blockchain word. Jan's hobby horse is raging against blockchain. Um, um, I, I got okay. a question, I got a question. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're talking a lot about uh, test building, writing tests, writing tests. Now, from my agreed, long time ago development uh, background you have unit testing where the developer writes his tests against its functions and whatever he's building in a code but if you look talking about cicd pipelines uh, you're also perhaps deploying a full kubernetes environment which is definitely not the responsibility of the developer and there's also testing involved there right so those tests some of those are written by the developers some are written by the devops teams sres uh, who's responsible for these tests if you have a Let's say ninety percent coverage across the board. Mm, well, in your example, what what what's the what are the responsibilities of these Kubernetes pipelines? 
well, just making sure they're up and running. I mean, if I have a yeah. microservices application, if I got my pipeline running to deploy a new version, it also depends, okay, the software needs to work, but X amount of containers need to be spawned, they need to be con uh, con connected to this and that, these message buses need to be up and running. I mean, CICD means hands off, I press one button and then it just does its thing and it should just work. So it's much broader than just the developer writing his unit tests, I would imagine. Uh, yes, um, that's where kind of we start kind of seeing and talking about the bigger picture, um, which is which include which you know must include, um, for example, monitoring um, and uh, you know having um, having appropriate metrics and alerts for the software that you build. Like that's uh, that's just kind of part of of um, good kind of product development, you know, kind of framework or, or, or way of doing doing things. Um, especially like, for example, you mentioned like Kubernetes and microservices. Um, microservices are, um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big topic. Um, but I think if you, if you are deploying that architecture, um, uh, for example, I believe that developers should um, the, the develop uh, like the best results, like team-wise and product, you know. Um, and you see this kind of, you know, they talk about this in, uh, for example, state of DevOps report. Um, kind of the the highest performing teams have this mindset uh, of like, if you build it, you run it, uh, meaning. The developer's job doesn't really end with, um, I don't know, Git push, which may trigger maybe the CI/CD pipeline and deployment, but actually um, also being, um, you know, following through like all the way. So once that is being deployed, like is the, you know, liveness probe, um, is it there, you know, are the metrics stable, you know, is everything as expected, like, um, database performance. Um, so continuous monitoring is a, is a big part, uh, big part there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's one of the, I think not having that in place, like it's, um, it's one way of maybe doing yourself a disservice. Uh, although I, I personally think it's like teams who are seriously thinking about and practicing CICD, they, they they do realize the, the importance of, of those things. But yeah, it's without without metrics, without some kind of a visibility uh, into what's going on uh, once the deployment is over. Um, the developer doesn't have um, enough visibility to really do their job right. Mm -hmm. is, this, uh, is this something that has so it's like CICD has been around for a while. It's not a, like a, a drastically sort of new concept, but has, has the way that CICD is done changed dramatically through sort of the ever increasing adoption of cloud or uh, has, has that shifted the, the CICD world at all? Uh, I would say it has a lot. Um, 
there is um, there's actually kind of when I was, for example, starting out in web development, um, you know, a lot of us were doing continuous deployment, like the most continuous flavor of CI/CD, without even calling it that. Like so. Um, mm. You know, if maybe you or your listeners remember, like there was this, um, you know, the early days of, for example, Heroku, the platform as a service, where you just like get push, and if you if your if your web app is built in, with one of the, you know, common web frameworks, you know, it just kind of recognizes what it is and what what it needs to do, and you know, your application is up and running, um, and so. You know, a lot of teams, I think, pretty early um, in the on the web had this practice of like, okay, run some tests. If they pass, you know, proceed to deployment automatically if it's a master branch. Um, and that got basically disrupted um, by the um, uh, with the arrival of containers, I think, mm-hmm. and. Um, not that containers were like, um, you know, maybe maybe it's not right to say that containers disrupted, but like containers showed up as a solution for like, you know, figuring out what's the common what's the common format for deploying applications, um, you know, in the cloud, right? And um, And kind of under 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 the under the discussion of like okay how do we deploy containers like what's I think the fundamental kind of story be, 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 um, below the surface is like um, maybe you developers miss the good old days of just like git push and like CI and CD get triggered and your web app is like your monolithic web app is up and running or on a VPS or some some of the early platforms as a service, um, but the the real story is like, if you want the cloud, you have to adapt to the cloud. And the way mm-hmm. the way you adapt to the cloud, what does what does cloud mean? Cloud means auto, automatic scaling to at any scale, potentially. And for that to work, like your units of deployment need to change, right? So this is why. Um, this is what led to, um, you know, something that can, let's say, a microservice, something that can fit in a container and be, you know, um, scaled uh, to to a large number of instances without issues, um, or you know, serverless functions like the, those that certainly can can scale to uh, a- any number, and so. Going back to you know CI/CD, the the effect was that you know teams who wanted to adopt this approach and uh, build, ship, and deploy with containers, they had to change the way they you know their pipelines run. And I think for a lot of people, um, that was actually the first time that they realize that they need a pipeline you know because in the if you were just kind of building and deploying a maybe old school web app you know it wasn't really 
I wouldn't even call it a pipeline. You had a certain number of build and test steps, and you had like a one-line uh, call to deploy it. And you know that that you know unless you messed it up by adding some complexity unnecessarily, like that was mostly it. Um, but with containers, like you know now we you know now we had to. Um, have like stages, like build a container, like figure out actually when do we run tests, like before or after. Um, if we, if it's a large, maybe large piece of the system, like maybe we build, want to build a container once and then fan out into multiple uh, parallel, uh, parallel jobs and then kind of fan in again to maybe push the registry and which then triggers um, deployment um, and maybe while you're there after deployment you want to run a pipeline for some smoke tests and that's that's um, th those are pipelines kind of chained together um, and that's new com that was new complexity like I think for for teams who are adopting that and um, it's changed the ACD uh, as a matter of fact for example um, Semaphore as a product had to fundamentally change at that time. Uh, so um, we 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 actually like completely rebuilt the product at one point and relaunched in after. So we first launched Semaphore in 2012. Mm -hmm. End of 2018, we launched Semaphore. We called it 2.0 at that time. Um, because the previous version of Semaphore was optimized for this like relatively simple kind of build test deploy process, mm -hmm. it, it was not able to kind of technically yes you could like build a container for example, but it could not for example you know for example hold that container at one place and then fan out and you know do do various things, and uh, you know we essentially rebuilt the product to be able to really run any kind of pipeline you know any kind of workflow. Mm -hmm as a composition of pipelines based potentially based on conditions and uh, stuff like that. So um, that's um, I, I think that's that's generally the story of of um, adding complexity to the software development yeah. process. Um, it uh, it added complexity to CICD because if you mm -hmm. also um, and uh, generally yeah, uh, it it uh, for a lot of people, it's kind of, I think, <clears throat> until that point, a developer could say, you, you know, I'm going to handle maybe quote unquote like provisioning of production and just like having total understanding of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and with the introduction of containers and Kubernetes, it's more like. I, I, I hope somebody in the team will set this up and I can just, you know, write code. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's sort of the the Kubernetes and microservices um, journey has, has given incredible flexibility um, in a variety of different ways, but it's that, that flexibility comes at the at the cost of complexity almost like across the board from underlying infrastructure all the way up through you know everything else that it that it touches and sort of the there's always going to be a, an element of of kind of trade-off there yeah absolutely 
Excellent. Well, that's the part one of our session with uh, Marco from Semaphore, who's uh, wrapped up his first piece of uh, the CICD journey. And uh, we'll be coming back for episode two next. Yes, big thank you to Marco for all the information. More to come. And unless you have anything else to add. Nothing else from me. And that is all the time you have for today. You can support this podcast. You can become a patron. Contributors do help keep us alive and kicking and nice and friendly and good and all that extra stuff. <laughs> if you're on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, hit notification bells, do YouTube stuffs. You can also go to www.roaringalphan.org. So there's links there to the Patreon page, to the YouTube page, and all other things we do. You can find us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send email uh, with your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Semi-Integrated Jon. And my name is Waving Flags Differently to Make Signs. See, it's semaphore, see? Dave. Yes, I saw. We look forward to forward to talk to you again next week. Hopefully about not about flags, because fun with flags is not the show we you listening here. Oh, fun with <laughs> flags. <laughs> definitely, definitely more fun with flags. Goodbye. See you then. Bye.